Welcome back to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. The month of July has brought with it the return of baseball all across New England. Massachusetts and Rhode Island will get the green light to start hosting baseball games again on July 6th, and that will mark the official return of the sport across all six New England states. The Futures Collegiate Baseball League season is officially underway, and the six New England teams will be playing a 39-game season to the month of August. The Newport Collegiate Baseball League is right behind it, with an 18-game season scheduled to start on July 11th. We'll be covering those leagues and posting regular content on the New England Baseball Journal website at BaseballJournal.com. You can visit that site at any time to see team previews of all six. We welcome two guests to this podcast. The first is Northeastern University baseball coach Mike Glavin. Mike will tell us how the pandemic has impacted college baseball, how his players trained over the last four months, and how he plans to recruit New England players in the coming months. Our second guest is Boston College pro prospect Sal Frelick, who is playing in the Futures League with the North Shore Navigators this summer. Sal is a potential first-round talent for the 2021 MLB Draft. He talks about his rise to prominence at BC, the disappointment of the shortened 2020 college season, and how he plans to prepare for the most important year of his baseball life. For more on any of these topics, you can visit the New England Baseball Journal website at BaseballJournal.com. Now, let's get right to the interview with Mike Glavin. Northeastern head coach Mike Glavin is a two-time CAA Coach of the Year in 2017 and 2018. In 2018, he was also the NEIBA New England Coach of the Year. The 2020 season marked his sixth as a head coach of the Northeastern baseball team. Mike also guided Northeastern to consecutive CAA regular season titles during the 2017 and 2018 seasons. The Huskies first within any conference since 2005. Also in 2018, he led the Huskies back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2003. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on. I like that intro. Good stuff. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Well, I wanted to um, connect with you. I reached out to you after everything came to a halt in March. And I I think we were just trading texts, but I I was trying to find out how the college baseball world would be impacted by the shortened season. And at the time, you just said you you probably knew as much as I did. We all had to kind of wait and see how things played out. And as we know, what ended up happening is all the athletes of spring sports got an additional year of eligibility. Um, I think in some ways that was great news for guys who had unfinished business at the college level, but in some ways I almost felt bad for the coaches because it made it really hard in that you have so many players that maybe didn't get drafted this year because it was a five round draft instead of 40. You also still have incoming freshmen coming in in the fall. And now you basically have to squeeze in five classes of players on a roster with fewer than 12, uh, full scholarships. So I was wondering what uh, what that process was like. How did you decide how to manage your your roster for next season? Yeah, you know, I do. I do remember uh, exchanging some texts and talking about it. And I think at that point, my head was really, really spinning and just trying to figure out everything that was going on. And and it's still spinning today a little bit. Um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, like you just mentioned. And um, you know, excited to have everybody back and all these athletes to be able to get their eligibility back um, from seniors all the way down. So 
um, excited for those guys. I know when it first, everything first happened and the season was ended and there was, there was some pretty quick talk about seniors getting their eligibility back from the NCAA. And I, you know, I remember reaching out to our, all of our seniors and just saying, Hey, you got your home is here. And if you want to come back, we'll make sure it happens. So um, our seniors are coming back. They're welcome back. Uh, almost all of them are coming back. So we're excited about that. And, and they'll have an opportunity to hopefully finish some unfinished business, but, but, you know, more importantly for them just to, to finish, you know, finish or continue their baseball careers um, and, and be able to play here at Northeastern. So, so we're excited to have all those guys back. And, and then you're right. I had to have those conversations with our incoming guys as well. So I had to let some, some time pass to figure out what was going on overall. And then I reached out to all of our incoming freshmen and I just said, look, you know, hey guys, here's the deal. Most of our seniors are coming back. We're going to have an expanded roster. It's going to make things difficult. You know, I don't know how it's going to play out. You know, I put all the scenarios on the, on the table for them, Dan, you know, from, from red shirting to, to not playing much, you know, to, to allowing them to pursue other opportunities too, if they wanted to do that, if they felt like, Hey, maybe this isn't going to work out or be the right fit. I just wanted to try to give all the incoming players and their families as much information as possible so so they can make the best decisions for them. And, you know, but one of the things, you know, even thinking about that is all of us coaches are going through the same thing. So, you know, whether it's a different scenario, different program, we're all going to have expanded rosters. Things are going to be difficult here for a couple of years. And so we just have to navigate through this and figure out, you know, um, how to manage this as best we can this coming year. Again, expanded rosters, working on that, figuring that out. And then the following year, working under the assumption that we're, we're back to, you know, to 35 players in that 11.7, as you mentioned. Yeah. Now, what did a lot are a lot of your incoming freshmen? Did they decide uh, to explore other opportunities or are they also kind of following the, the lead of your seniors and everybody's going to kind of be there at once? Yeah, they're going to they're going to follow the lead of our seniors and, and they'll be here. So, you know, um, we're excited about that as well. I certainly didn't want to lose anybody. I want everyone here. And and um, and, and so we're excited to have to everyone be here. Our incoming freshmen are coming and, and then we'll just, you know, we'll we'll settle it on the field and figure out um, how to make everything work from a, from a practice time um, scenario to playing time to travel time to locker room just really trying to make this thing mesh as best we can. I think, and I think it will, we certainly have a, some, some unknowns still, but uh, I love our seniors and, and their leadership and how great those guys are. And I know they're going to help with the transition again. Right. So they got to help our incoming freshmen last year with those guys that were coming in with Keen and Schlittler and that whole group. And now they get to do it again with the incoming guys uh, this year. So we'll rely on our players a lot to lead and to communicate and, and help make things work. But we're excited to have, you know, all our incoming freshmen coming in to mesh with our current and returning players. And, and then we'll do our best to, to satisfy everybody, develop everybody and get them as, as much, you know, reps and, and time as we can. Yeah. And you have a, you, you do have a great reputation locally for recruiting guys from Massachusetts and new England and developing those guys at the college level. I know so many college coaches rely on those clinics and those camps and campus visits for recruiting where you can get everybody on campus at once. And even college coaches will go to camps at other schools, division one schools, campuses to explore these players. And it's kind of a collaborative effort to get these players seen and recruited 
how how did that change? Uh, obviously, it changed. I mean, nobody's visiting campuses. There's a dead period right now. But uh, how is recruiting going to change in your mind? Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out. That's something we we take pride in is is really you know doing the best job we can in New England and Massachusetts for recruiting and. We love our local players and, and we just love the upside and the athleticism and the commitment and, and the toughness and compete level. So, you know, you're right. We, we are heavy, heavy uh, roster on the New England side in Massachusetts. So, you know, given the current situation, you know, things have definitely changed. We were pretty far along with our 21 class before all of this happened. Um, we had eight commits in the class. And so we really only needed one or two final pieces to, to fill out the 21 class. So, um, you know, I really feel for those kids, the high school kids, their parents and families and everybody just, you know, excited to have a summer of recruiting and be out there and, and do the, you know, play in the tournaments and do the camps and clinics. You know, from a Northeastern perspective, we had, you know, our prospect days. We had, um, we had some tournaments coming up at our facilities in our field this summer, some, uh, some big tournaments that Coach Puccio put together for us. And we were really excited to have a lot of the local players be out on our field this summer. So. So we've had to adjust just like all the, all the, you know, the recruits have and, and all their parents and families have. So, you know, fortunately, again, for us, we're a little bit further along in the 21 class. So even some of the kids that we're still recruiting, we've seen in person. We just haven't seen them this summer. So we've seen the video. We've, um, you know, encouraged kids to continue to reach out to us, send us updated videos. We've continued to talk to the local high school and summer coaches. And some of these events are being live streamed. So um, you're able to watch some of that and see the progress. It's it's so much fun to see kids from year to year and see all the work they put in and the progress and jumps they've made. So, so that's been disappointing to not be able to be there in person to see that. Um, but we've seen so many kids on video that have made jumps. It's, it's still exciting to see them and, and happy for them to see all the work that they put in. So, so we've been really relying on video, Dan, and, and still relying on the summer and high school coaches and watching these live stream events and, and doing the best we can and, and, and recruiting for the 21 class and still looking to add a piece or two. And then, you know, starting to really focus on the 22 class and the 23 class. And so again, just gathering data, gathering information, gathering video, and doing all those things in hopes of getting back to having camps and prospect days and, and tournaments, you know, next next summer. So we're just doing the best we can to stay in touch with all these kids and, and encourage them to reach out to us with all their video and continuing the recruiting process just as best we can. Yeah. And what about the communication with your the guys who are, you know, within the Northeastern program now? You know, was it did you give them because the the difficult thing is everybody's got different equipment at home. It wasn't like everybody had access uh, to gyms this spring. What was the communication like with players? Did you give them training programs or did you do Zoom calls? What was, what was that like? Yeah, that's a great question. So we all all of that. Right. You know, the first when everything first happened, I, I sort of gave the guys a little bit of space, you know, because I think everybody was was, you know, just just um, disappointed, devastated that the season was, you know, from a baseball perspective, obviously, just just in our world, not in real life, obviously, um, there's some serious things going on with the pandemic and everything. But from our little world, our, our baseball world, we were, we were all disappointed, devastated. The season was, was you know, ended, and, um, and we were really starting to play some great baseball. And I thought, you know, we had one of our best teams that we've had here. So I gave the guys some space, and then 
then we slowly started working in some some Zoom calls with the whole team with positions specific, you know, infielders or outfielders and, and pitchers and that sort of stuff just to stay in touch. And they were still taking classes online. So we were really just trying to focus and, and try to get their their minds right and, and staying strong in the classroom, um, even though they were disappointed from a baseball standpoint. So we did a, we did a lot of Zoom stuff at that point. And then our staff, you know, my staff has just been outstanding. I'm blessed to have so many so many great people to work here with us at Northeastern and our assistant coaches just, just continuing to stay in contact. Coach Cobb, Coach Puccio, Coach Bosco have done a great job staying in contact, whether it's daily texts or um, some videos and things like that. And then our sports performance staff, our strength and conditioning coach, our, our nutritionist, um, um, you know, our athletic trainers, and everybody have just done a great job staying in touch with our players. So we gave them workouts to do at home with the understanding that, as you mentioned, not everybody could had weights at home. And um, so they had to do some body weight stuff, some sprint work, some yoga, uh, some arm care stuff. So we gave them as much information as we could on all those areas, nutrition and stretching and everything. And, and then we checked in with the guys and hoped that they were working out and doing things on their own. And, and, and as you mentioned, you're right. Some kids, everybody's setup was a little different. Some of our guys have batting cages, some don't, some have weights, some don't. So we're really, we're just trying to give them the bare minimum stuff for their nutrition and arm care in their, in their workouts so they can stay in shape mentally and physically. Yeah. Now I know you've got some guys playing in, in the futures league and other, um, as well as the Newport collegiate baseball league. I heard, uh, you mentioned Keen earlier, Sebastian Keen. I heard he's backing off, not getting on the mound at all this summer. What goes into weighing whether they're going to, you know, get on the mound and pitch, you know, 30, 40 more innings this year or if they're going to shut it down? Yeah, you know, the pitchers are the hard ones, right? The position players are easy. As long as they're healthy and feeling good, you know, we wanted all our position players to play or whatever their situations were. So a lot of our position players are playing. Some of them aren't. They're working out and, and trying to get a little healthier and improving on their speed and things like that. So position players are easy. The pitchers are the, are the tricky ones. And I will never sit here and say I have all the answers. You know, we try to do the best we can to keep our guys healthy, number one, and then develop them the best we can. So, um, you know, for some of our – so our pitchers are all over the place. Some of them are pitching this summer, summer. Some of them are not. Some of them were coming off of injuries and they're recovering and rehabbing. So, so that's why you kind of see our pitching staff. You see a couple of our guys thrown in the Futures League, some of them in the Inner City League. Some of them are still throwing bullpens and doing things on their own as they recover. And then other guys were – we just decided to, to give them this, you know, sort of a rest phase. And, and not because they were – overworked this year right obviously with the season again being four weekends they were just hitting their stride I mean our pitchers were really starting to take over and dominate you could see that that they were really starting to feel good so so we just we when the season was ended we had them stay hot you know twice a week we had them in playing catch uh, regularly but hot days you know on the mound and long toss and that kind of stuff in preparation potentially of some summer ball and and then you know we made the decision based on just the calendar year and what's coming up for our season again, what, what we thought were the best decisions for our individual pitchers. And we, we don't treat our pitchers all the same. We don't cookie cutter them. We, we treat them individually and, and look at them uh, physically and, and health wise and how much they've thrown either in the high school year or for us and all of that. We kind of put the calendar year together and then we try to put an individual plan together for each pitcher. So we, we made decisions, which we, we thought was best, um, in, in communicating with 
with our players. We want our players to have a say in it as well. Some of our guys really wanted to pitch. Some of our guys wanted to get back in that weight room and get stronger before they started throwing again. So kids like Sebastian and Schlittler, you know, they're, they were in a rest phase right now and they got a big year coming up. So we're expecting a lot of innings out of them. So kind of gave them their rest phase so they can, you know, get in the weight room, work hard, take care of their arms and get prepared for our season. And so, it's a lot of moving parts, Dan. It's a long answer, but, you know, the pitchers, you just really need to take them individually and, and do what we think is best and, and communicate with them. I definitely want them to have a say in what we do and how they how they prepare for the upcoming season. Yeah. I mean, it's a crazy spring. It's been, I mean, I have a seven and a five-year-old, so as I think back now, you know, we're starting to get baseball back now, but as I think back on the spring, it's like, yeah, I'll remember this pandemic is you know the the homeschooling and the zoom conferences (laughs) and you know the drive-by birthday parties and you know wearing masks at the grocery store what what do you think what your your takeaway well what will you remember about this spring (laughs) yeah some of those things for sure you know um you know we we have three kids of our own one of our daughters turned uh turned 16 so she didn't quite get to have her her, uh, you know, big 16th birthday party, but she has her permit. So we've been, I'll remember it. Certainly we continue to get the driving hours in and I'm the chosen, the chosen driver with her. So we've, we've had some fun with that and getting her driving. And, and then our other daughter uh, had her 13th birthday. So she turned to a teenager. So we did a drive by a birthday party for her. So just try to have some fun with those, those events. And, and then, you know, um, our little guy, we have a little, little guy who's eight years old. So him and I have done a, done a lot of backyard baseball and shooting some hoops at the end of the driveway, which I'm horrible at, but we have some fun with that. And, and uh, we've just tried to make the most of it. Our daughters have, have, have baked everything humanly possible. I think that's why I've gained, gained the weight during this. It's because of them. They keep feeding me cookies and cakes and ice cream and making ice cream and everything. So, <laughs> you know, we've, we've tried to make the best of a difficult situation as a family and just, um, but we've gotten closer, which has been a lot of fun. We have movie nights all the time. We watch the Rockies. We watch the Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potters, um, <clears throat> the Hunger Games, and just watched a lot of different movie series and had fun with that as a family. So just done the best we we, we could in, in a difficult situation. I clearly am uh, horrendous at being around the house. I've, um, I'm really good at cleaning, Dan. I can clean the yard. I can clean the, the cars. I can clean the house. But when it comes to uh, fixing things and hanging things, most of the stuff that I fixed in, in late March is already either fallen down or broken. So uh, I'm sure my family is looking forward to getting me back out of the house. Yeah, I'm the same way. I could, I, I hang stuff up and then um, next thing you know, I'm like, when can we start calling people to come in and help me with these things? Because it's, yep. uh, I'm not very handy. Well, Mike, I appreciate you taking the time. It's been great to get this information for, um, you know, I think high, high school parents of recruits are, are wondering what, what's going on at the college level and how it's going to be impacted. So this is definitely great. Thanks for being generous with your time. And uh, hopefully we'll be back to baseball for you pretty soon. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I do. I hope to see the, the our guys playing soon and the high school kids getting out there and their families and everybody getting enjoy to enjoy uh, watching some baseball and appreciate all the great work you guys do. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mike. Have a good rest of the summer. Thank you. You too, Dan. Hey, everyone. If you're just discovering New England Baseball Journal through our podcast, be sure to check us out online at baseballjournal.com, where you'll find daily content on the New England baseball scene with in-depth coverage on preps, high school, the youth game, college baseball, MLB draft, 
college commitments, the minors, summer leagues, and the pros, and a whole lot more. Right now, you can get an all-access plan, which includes unlimited access to our daily website, plus every issue of our print magazine delivered to your home, office, dorm, or clubhouse for only $99.99 per year. It's simple. Just log on to BaseballJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to find the subscription that's right for you and get in the game with New England Baseball Journal. It's time to go around the diamond with news and nuggets from the New England baseball scene. Please visit BaseballJournal.com to keep up with any of these developing stories. The NCAA's ruling to provide seniors and all spring student-athletes an additional year of eligibility is the Future League's gain as future main outfielder Sean Lawler a graduate transfer from Flagler College has returned to the North Shore Navigators as the league's reigning most valuable player. Groton School product Luke Beckstein and teammate Brady Day will both be heading from New England to begin their college careers at Kansas State this fall. Michael Falcone, director of operations for the Newport Gulls of the NACBL, is planning to start the Newport Collegiate Baseball League. On July 11th, the four-team league will include a 19-game season with all games being played at Cardines Field in Newport, Rhode Island. Some of the players playing in that league include Northeastern senior Scott Holzwazer, Fairfield University sophomore Mike Sansone, Quinnipiac junior Colton Bender, Bryant sophomore Jake Gustin, recent Bryant senior transfer Liam McGill, and University of Rhode Island junior Xavier Vargas. Over the upcoming weeks, New England Baseball Journal will continue its series on the history of New England prep school baseball. The focus will be on individual programs and that one magical season that no one on the team can forget. Reach out to us on Twitter at any underscore baseball with suggestions for the prep school series or visit baseballjournal.com to follow that series. Boston College utility man Sal Frelick is an incoming junior who has been mentioned as a possible first-round draft pick in the 2021 MLB draft. As a BC freshman in 2019, Sal earned All-ACC second team as well as freshman All-America honors. He hit 367 that season with 32 RBIs, 30 runs scored, and 18 stolen bases in just 39 games. He is getting back on the field after a shortened sophomore season at BC in the Futures League with the North Shore Navigators. Sal, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Well, Sal, I know know you're from Lexington, and um, it feels like baseball is a little bit different than other sports where guys will go from, you know, being undrafted prospects out of high school to all of a sudden getting mentioned as possible first-round picks, you know, in a year's time. What was the recruiting experience for you like uh, before you committed to BC? Yeah, I mean, so I think the rules have changed a little bit uh, now, but when I was in high school, um, it kind of started early for baseball. You know, coaches were reaching out to kids, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year was kind of the time um, to try to commit to a college. And um, I remember I did one BC camp and they'd see me a couple times uh, one summer and I ended up committing the summer before my sophomore year of high school. So I kind of went through high school um, knowing that I was going to um, go to BC and play baseball there. Did you, 
Did you ever waver on that commitment when uh, did you get offers from other schools that you had to think about or were, were you always pretty solid on BC? Yeah, so BC was kind of the only uh, offer I got for baseball. Um, there was a little, a, a little other interest beforehand, but once I committed to BC, that was it for baseball. And then junior and senior year kind of rolled around, and um, that's when I kind of started getting some looks for football schools. Um, so I did kind of take a step back and see if that was something I wanted to explore. Um, but in the end, just talking with my coaches and my parents, I think baseball was the right path for me. Oh, I didn't realize it. What, what uh, position did you play in football? I was a quarterback in football, but um, I was getting recruited kind of as an athlete, like a kick returner, punt returner, wide receiver type player. Oh, wow. Do you miss playing? Yeah, I think uh, my freshman fall was, was the hardest fall, but uh, I've had two two falls with no football under my belt right now, so it's kind of it's getting a little easier. Yeah. Um, now, what were your expectations when you got to BC? Were you expecting to play such a big role your freshman year and start right away? I mean, I kind of knew... Um, my role was going to be that energetic spark plug. You know, I wasn't sure if I was going to be an everyday starter, you know, an off the bench type player. And, you know, I even had surgery going into, um, my freshman fall. So I didn't play any fall ball. Um, and then, you know, the season kind of rolled around and I worked my way into the lineup and, uh, you know, was, was happy enough that I was able to, you know, start, start every game, but, you know, going into it, I really wasn't sure what my role was going to be, um, you know, whether it was starting every day or kind of just being an off the bench guy. Yeah. And I, I had mentioned in the, in the opening that you were a freshman, all America honors, all ACC second team as a freshman would hit 367. Was there ever a point in the season that you were like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm having this much success this early. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think after the fact, you know, um, my, my season got, my freshman season did get cut short again for another, another injury, but, um, I think that's when I kind of looked back at it and said, well, you know, I, you know, I kind of held my own out here. Um, I think I definitely surpassed my, my own expectations. Um, but at the same time, it kind of just puts you on the same surface saying that, you know, all these other kids are college kids just like you are. And, um, you know, it's just a game to just go out and play baseball the way you know how to. And you know, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. And you were you were off to another great start. Uh, who did you play? You played. Did you play on the Cape last summer or where did you play summer baseball? So, yeah, I mean, I was supposed to head down to Harwich last summer, um, and then I ended up getting hurt, so I, I, I took the summer off and just kind of got healthy. And then um, I was supposed to play in Harwich again um, this summer, and then, yeah. you know, obviously Cape didn't go off. Yeah. What was the injury last year? So it was the same thing. So my, my, first, um, my first surgery going into my freshman year, I had um, a medial men- meniscus uh, surgery. Um, I tore that, and then I kind of rushed back um, really wanted to get get healthy for the start of the season, um, so I, I really rushed to rehab there. And then, um, right before the ACC championship, uh, I banged into a wall to make a catch, and I actually tore the other side of my meniscus. So it wasn't the same spot, but it was the lateral meniscus. Um, and then the doctor just wanted me to clean that up, so they went in and uh, cleaned that up for me. And I was rehabbed all summer, and I uh, really got my body in shape for for my sophomore season. Yeah, that's awesome. And like I said, you were off to another great start uh, this year before everything kind of came to a stop because of the pandemic. Um, you know, it seems like everybody kind of has that moment during the pandemic where it finally the reality of the situation kind of hit them. At first, you were like, oh, man, is this, uh, you know, just going to be a weekend or is it going to be a couple of weeks? Do you remember having that feeling like, oh man, everything we're going to be locked down for a few months. This season's over. When when did it all hit you? 
Yeah, so, I mean, we, we flew down to NC State on Thursday morning. You know, we had planned on playing them for our, it was our second ACC series. Um, we got down there uh, Thursday afternoon, and I remember we were lifting at their facility, and when our, when our coach told us we weren't even going to be able to practice that night, and, you know, we were flying home the next morning. And at first, like, okay, you know, maybe this might be just a couple weeks saying they got to take precautions. Um, we'll just lay low for a little bit and get the season going in a couple weeks. So we came back, and then BC, you know, sent, sent all the students, students home. They kind of, you know, canceled school, and that's when it kind of started to hit in, like, no, what's going to happen if, you know, all these schools start sending their, their kids home? Like, are we not going to have a season? And then before we know it, you know, we're getting sent home too. And that's kind of when it kicked in that, you know, this, this season's probably not going to not gonna happen. And then it's it was kind of, there were definitely some bleak moments in the spring where we didn't even know if there was going to be any baseball in 2020 because, uh, you know, we were all locked down. And then it was uh, the Cape, the Cape canceled, the Cape League canceled, the NACBL canceled. Uh, was there ever a time that you felt you might not play baseball again in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was, you know, most of the kids, um, you know, especially on my team, that, that was the thought process that we weren't playing baseball until hopefully fall ball, you know, when we come back to campus, even if that um, in the fall. And, you know, for the Futures League to pull this off and, you know, we got our first game tonight, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. You know, we're so fortunate that I'm able to um, strap, strap up the navigator strings again and, you know, a couple other BC guys are playing in the league, and we're just so thrilled we can actually play baseball because for for a while we didn't think we were going to play it all this summer. Yeah, we've had a ton of um, the coverage on the Futures League on BaseballJournal.com. It's really the only thing going on right now, so it's the you know we're kind of diving all in on it. But it's exciting because it's a lot of guys like you, guys who who were going to go play on the Cape League, and you know they're the top college guys in the area. So it's going to be. Um, I think it'll be really competitive. Whereas. Uh, you know, I think it could be Cape level baseball. What are your expectations for the summer? Yeah, I mean, we're we're fired up. There's some great competition in the league, and you know, the other thing is is that it's it's all New England guys, which is which is super cool. You know, there's a couple. You know, I got a couple Florida guys that played last uh, summer and had host families, but for the most part, it's just all local guys, and it's really it's really cool to see all the local talent. You know, coming to play together in one league, and you know, not just that, but a lot of us know each other. You know, there are kids that I played against in high school or in summer ball and now we're on the same team or you know, there's kids on my BC team that are on other teams that I get to play them. So um, it's going to be a really competitive league and a really, really fun league. What, what does it sound like in terms of the, the scene going to be? Is it going to be um, any fans or are you guys going to be sitting in the bleachers during games to space yourselves out or how, how's that all going to work? Yeah. So, I mean, they said that fans are allowed, so they're just going to, uh, I believe it's a, Depends on the stadium, but I know it's a certain capacity, a certain percentage of the of the stadium's capacity. So I know that you know in Nashville at night, I think it's a twenty five percent fans of their capacity. So it might be like eight hundred fans are allowed. Um, and then yeah, we we kind of been working on it. Um, with sitting on the bench, it's really just spreading out guys, making sure um, even guys are, can come up in front of the dugout and sit sort of down. Um, towards the bullpen and just really make sure we're spread out. But for the most part, it seems like um, it's going to be business as usual, just with a little uh, limitations. 
And like I said earlier, you're you're a top prospect for the 2021 MLB draft. You'll be a junior next year. Um, are you at all worried about the state of baseball? It seems like it's been a kind of um, worrisome spring because the draft got cut down to five rounds this year. Um, no minor league baseball this year. I don't even know how that works for guys who just got drafted. Are you are you concerned about the state of baseball? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm concerned. Um, I think at a point, you know, I'm I'm glad that they finally decided to try to get get uh, teams playing. But I think if you asked me that question a couple weeks ago before uh, they they out that statement, I would have said uh, a little bit, you know, especially with if, if baseball is not happening this year, they're going to play next year, and how's that going to work with you know the draft? But um, I just want to think about playing baseball right now, and you know the fact that I can be on a baseball field and, and be playing, you know, I'm as happy as I can be and. Um, I know I got a big year coming up, but if I just you know focus on um, winning, self development, and making sure all the guys around me are having a fun, fun time, then uh, I think that stuff's going to take care of itself. What does it sound like in terms of restrictions at BC? Once I was talking to a player earlier this week who said he when he was going back to school, it was like you know they're trying to keep you eating meals in your in your dorms and um you know tr- kind of keep you from walking around campus and being social and have they laid out kind of a blueprint for how things are going to go at BC in the fall yeah they've started to send us a couple emails just uh with some heads up so for example they got like uh, we got to schedule our moving dates so that not everybody's moving in at once they're going to have like periodically kids moving in at different times um not allowed to have, I think, visitors like into your dorm that don't go to Boston College, you know, outside visitors, at least for the fall semester. I know they said that. And it's just like when you leave your dorm, I, I believe you have to have your mask on, um, especially if you're not six feet apart. So definitely in classrooms, I know. Um, you have to be wearing masks. But other than that, I think it's kind of uh, business as usual. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, Sal, you, you had said earlier your style of play, like you wanted to come into BC and be that spark plug and kind of provide the energy. Who did you look up to as a, as a player? Um, was it somebody that exudes that type of uh, or exhibits that type of style of play? I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of just always how I've played the game. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever tried modeling my game necessarily after after anybody, but there's always been players that, you know, I look at, and it's not even in baseball necessarily. Look at guys like, oh, Julian Edelman, you know, I watched growing up. That was someone I idolized in, in football and someone who, who had a lot of energy on the field. And, you know, I, I knew I was coming in as a utility guy, being able to play everywhere. So kind of as I progressed my baseball career, a guy like Brock Holt was someone that I looked up to a lot. And um, someone who I saw, that guy, you know, can play any position. He just, you know, brings energy when he comes on the field. So I think the uniqueness of that is something that I want to carry um, as, as my baseball career goes on. Absolutely. And I know things have been, um, you know, these last three or four months, not uh, not so much, but you've had a great stretch here of like 12 to 18 months um, post high school where you've kind of been on fire. What are some of your fondest uh, baseball memories over that last stretch? I think uh, I think one special one was actually my freshman year when we uh, went to Florida State. It was Mike Martin's last uh, season coaching for Florida State, an absolute legend, and I wore number 11, um, and so does he. So for, for that whole series, I actually uh, didn't wear 11. I wore 35. Um, coach just said, hey, we're, we're going to um, give you another jersey just you know, to recognize Mike Martin. And I remember I got a couple pictures with him before the game, had a chance to uh, really sit down and talk with him, and that was kind of a, 
a really special moment there. And, and then plus we did take uh, two out of three from them down there. So that, that was a, that was a pretty special one. Sal, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. And we're looking forward to following you this summer. And for any additional information on Sal's career at BC or his preview stories for the futures league, you can go to baseballjournal.com to get those stories. Sal, thanks so much. That's it for the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Thanks to Northeastern head coach Mike Lavin and BC outfielder Sal Frelick for appearing as guests. You can visit BaseballJournal.com to follow all of our coverage on the Collegiate Summer Baseball Leagues and follow us at NE underscore baseball. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media podcast. Thanks again for listening.